this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. What's up, peeps? Welcome back to Rebound and Safety. Today is episode two in Q1 of 2022. I'm saying it like that because my wife said it in and she was like, oh, you got the dates wrong and I haven't got the dates wrong. Let's get into the intro. I'll tell you some more about it. The problem in safety isn't deviation, it's complexity. Health and safety has gone mad. Health and safety is trying to unpick having gone mad in the past. There's no one solution and one problem. The problem is that we are looking for one solution. Does the structure of the team allow them to flourish? Feel safe enough to be uncomfortable. The environment defines our behaviours. People aren't the problem, they're the solution. Rebranding safety, crushing a stereotype. Brought to you by Risk What's up, peeps? Welcome back to Rebranding Safety. Rebranding Safety is a YouTube channel and podcast doing exactly what it says on the tin. So if you're new here, hit that subscribe button, like button, follow button, whatever it is, and let us know you're enjoying the content. Today is episode two of quarter one in 2022, quarterly co-host. God, that is a mouthful to say. Basically, this is number two in the quarterly co-host of Q1 2022. And it's with Karen Hewitt. If you haven't listened to episode one, make sure you do, because that's the point of episode one, two, and three, is you start with one. Don't be that person that starts watching Game of Thrones at like season six, and then it's like, I don't know what's going on. Obviously, because you're supposed to watch it from season one. Go back to episode one, watch it, listen to it, whatever it is get it, and then come back. Before we get into the episode with Karen Note, and she's going to explain what we're going to talk about today and what we talked about in the last episode, in case you're one of those weirdos that didn't want to listen to it. Before we get into it, though, quick shout-out to Paradigm Human Performance, the sponsors of Rebound and Safety YouTube channel and podcast. Paradigm Human Performance are human organisational performance experts working all around the globe with some amazing, massive companies, might I add. Um, they're doing amazing stuff, whether it's training up some practitioners on site, whether it's working with the shop floor, whether it's working with senior leadership team. If you're looking to take that next step and embed human organisational performance within your workplace they are the consultant to help you do it also if you're not quite sure whether you're in the right place for that you can go to their website and sign up for the learning organization webinar as well which runs every thursday every other thursday sorry at 2 p.m and once you've logged in you can also get access to a backlog of god about nearly what two years worth of weekly podcasts uh, weekly uh, webinars so there's loads of content there for you to binge um, if you're in a geeky mood thank you very much paradigm for sponsoring rebranded safety youtube and podcast channel if you are looking to improve your professional development this year and you're looking for a mastermind community to do that to whack it into sixth gear you want to have weekly conversations with people of different positions within the within the, their their career. You want to work with, talk to. You want to talk to. You want to. You want to. You want to. Because he wants to. Because he wants to. You want to go on weekly calls, have conversations with people with the same challenges as you, but in different industries. Honestly, this is a place for you. you. Want to read books and understand what people got from that book and what you got from that book. Have a good chat about. It. You want to have philosophical conversations once a month. You want to have a quarterly event with workshops with the keynotes and so on and so forth. Then Project Meletium is a professional development mastermind community for you. It's a safe space for you to talk to people, ask for help, and give help and support. So if you want to be mentored or you want to mentor, you want to do both of them. You can do both every week every month, every quarter in Project Millennium. So go check that out. Also, don't forget to check out reboundandsafety.com. There's loads of stuff that we can do to help you out, whether you're trying to advertise your product, your service uh, to a risk and safety community, then we've got social media influencer type solutions for you. So go check them out. Um, or maybe you're a listener to this and you're a practitioner in health and safety and risk management, and you want some help building a more holistic strategy towards risk whether you want some more culture improvement support then we have the consultancy service that can help you as well um, with the company called risk fluent that sits behind rebound and safety so go check out reboundandsafety.com everything you need is there and i'm sure we can help you and if we can't help you we will find someone that can without further ado let's get into episode two the quarterly co-host q1 2022 karen hewitt let's go all right karen welcome back to the podcast Thank you, James. Delighted to be here as always. So this is episode two of our of our quarterly co-host uh, that you're you're joining me with, and, and we're kind of just going through the three sections of of your of your book in in, in a way. Um, so, but 
you know, I'd obviously say it's a quarterly co-host for a reason. So people should really listen to number one first. But in case they haven't or they can't remember what we spoke about in the last one, if you could introduce yourself and then just introduce kind of the whole concept of, of what we're talking about in the three episodes and just briefly the idea of, of build, uh, kind of what we what we kind of were aiming to, to cover in the last one and then uh, introduce the concept of buzz that we're going to talk about today. Brilliant. Thanks, James. So my name is Karen Hewitt. I'm a freelance consultant in the specialist area of engagement and leadership for health and safety. So purely on that, that end where we're trying to create ownership and get people excited about it. I'm not sure which is the easiest end, really, the compliance end or my end, but I enjoy it all the same. Um, latterly, probably more known as uh, the people power lady, because I wrote a book called People Power. And we're talking about the three-step formula, which is in People Power. And it's called Build, Buzz, Bake, uh, because it sounds good. And also it addresses how you make engagement in health and safety relevant to everyone and how you make it exciting and how you make it stick. So last time we were talking about the first element, which was build. So it was really how do you design engagement into all your health and safety efforts? A bit like if you were doing something, um, doing some engineering, if you're on a big construction project, if you're designing equipment, you'll be thinking about designing safety in. Well, this is about designing engagement into safety. So it's an interesting concept. What do we need to put in place up front in an organization to make sure we're successful? So that's what we talked about last time. And then we go on to the buzz part, which is really how to create engagement throughout the organization, even with people that maybe might not be so keen to buy in, maybe they're too busy, maybe they think safe, health and safety is boring, maybe they think they work in an office, this will never happen to me, um, you know, or they're not on the front line. So really buzz is probably the element that people would go to straight away, but actually we've started with build, you know, how do we take a step back and put some great things in place to make the buzz a lot easier. And then when we get to the bake, making it stick, it mm. should hopefully be easier still. So the buzz, how do we make it exciting? How do we make it relevant? Of course, people that work in health and safety are already excited about it. We just got to bring everyone else along for the ride, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah, I think um, you're creating a buzz uh, just kind of says it on the tin, really, of what you're trying to do. And, and I like I like that. I think that is essentially the ethos of what we try to do on rebranding safety, particularly the YouTube side of things, which can be really hard sometimes, a lot, you know, and particularly over the last couple of years where we haven't been able to get out on the road and make videos. And prior to COVID, you know, it was hard to find companies that were willing and and, and then COVID hit and, uh, you know, we, we've, we've actually really struggled to kind of create the buzz that we wanted to. Um, but ultimately that's what we're trying to do is create what, what many perceive as a really gray topic, a, a really boring kind of like meh, kind of topic. But you know, when I look at like a lot of the stuff we do, and a lot of the stuff we talk about, like it's cool. I was going to say AF then like it is, so cool some of the stuff we're doing like some of the jobs that we are, are helping people you know some of the work that we're facilitating people to succeed at is just wicked like it's just so cool and from one day you know we're uh we're trying we're talking about engineering stuff then the next day we're talking about scientific stuff the next day we're talking about kind of cultural social stuff so yeah i think that that concept of creating a bit more of a buzz about what we're doing for me is 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 ingrained in everything we're doing but ultimately when it comes to doing safety in the workplace it does just naturally become so gray and boring and dull doesn't it because we inevitably just think it's policies and procedures and and we don't create a buzz ever really do we we don't we don't ever get people excited about about safety or or risk management or, or any kind of any kind of operational risk topic, what do, you, what, what do you say would be like, what would be like step one? Is there a step one? Like what's the first thing that you go into? Let's say I'm like, oh, Karen, right, we've done build now. You know, I think we've got all that, that engagement 
designed into into our safety systems and so on and our approach where the bloody hell do we start with creating a buzz so where i would start is identifying all the key stakeholders in the organization so i think typically we think let's just go to the front line let's just go to the employees that are in the potentially hazardous areas but i think um you know, within an organization, there's so many people that influence. So it's really drawing up a list. So we've been really practical, drawing up a list of the different groups of people. So let's say you might have, you know, people in HR, people in procurement, and, and why should they buy into health and safety? And by the same token, because obviously that would be us selling to them but also we need to think about what we can offer them, what's the benefit to them, and we need to understand their challenges as well. So trying to look for a win-win. And so doing a lot of groundwork, reaching out to the less obvious people in an organization and looking at where's the, the common ground there. They've got challenges. How can what we're doing in health and safety help them with their challenges? And once you find that common ground, if you can make their life easier somehow and you know, it involves a lot of listening and a lot of, um, I guess, accepting that we don't always have the answers just because we're experts in health and safety. It doesn't mean we we have all the answers. It's got to be a bit of a partnership, really, because it's when you're doing it in a business, you've got to you've got to find ways to work together. So for me, it would be doing that. It's potentially another thing that's really important as well is how do you get I guess the word is alignment. How do you get every people lined up? I used to show this great video in the days when I used to deliver face-to-face -face sessions, which was, I haven't done any for a while, probably about two years. Mm. I used to show this great video of this guy lining up all these dominoes. It's on YouTube and it sort of starts with this tiny domino, literally puts it there with a the toothpick and it lines up to this huge one. And sort of shows how when you line it all up, you can sort of knock down one a domino as big as the Empire State Building. But the oh, yeah. secret yeah. is that it's all, you've, you've got to have the momentum. So somebody's got to get it started. You've got to have everybody lined up. So what is that message that you want to give in an organisation that gets everybody lined up? And then potentially it feels like hard work because that last domino is huge. But when you've got the alignment there and you've got the momentum, if you follow the physics of it, uh, which some people would like to do let's get it all lined up and it will just fly away with itself so i've got a bit of a formula really for getting everybody lined up and um, typically we look at behaviors what behaviors do we want to see so for all these different groups we've defined what's one common set of behaviors how would it look different for parts of the organization i think we talked a little bit about behaviors last time and then what's behind the behaviors? Because we all we don't just behave in a certain way because we behave in a certain way. We have behind it, we have our values and our beliefs, we have our capabilities, we have our identity, how we see ourselves. We all have a higher purpose, a sort of bigger picture that we're trying to achieve, whether we, we're aware of it or not. So how do you get that lined up in individuals to the extent that they get excited and get that lined up across the company? And how do you does that do that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does make sense. How, how would you, if, well, unless you don't want to give away your secret sauce, which, are, oh. which but but like how, how I've got a theory of how I would approach that, but how, how would you get that, that alignment? Well, just start off with um, an elevator pitch that addresses, so it starts with what the big picture is. So what we're trying to achieve, what's the big vision, do we want to be? The safest company in the industry do we want to be the first company to put health and safety on a par uh to put mental health on a par with physical health you know what is it we're trying to what's our ambition really and an ambition that everyone will buy into and then you look at the next layer would be after that ambition what 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 identity do people have? What's the role they play? Because identity plays a huge role in how we behave, how we see ourselves. Yeah. So, you know, do we want to give somebody an identity of being a safety leader, for example, because that's quite empowering. You're saying that 
if you decide to be a leader for safety, then effectively there's no hierarchy. So somebody could approach the CEO or the MD and say, look, we need to do this for safety. And you're effectively, you become the CEO then for that. So that's quite an empowering identity. So it could be something like that. What, what are people going to buy in wherever they are? What's going to be aspirational? How do you describe that identity? And then you give them the values and the beliefs. So think about what would they need to believe for everyone to behave safe? What would they need to believe? Um, that, that's an interesting question. What do you think about that? What do people need to believe to behave safely? I'm not testing you here, James. I'm just what do people interested do? in what you think. What, because beliefs drive behaviours. If you think about, um, you're probably too young to remember this, but Roger Bannister, when he um, broke the four-minute mile barrier right and everyone said it couldn't be done and then i think it was in the 1960s so probably i'm too young as well <laughs> just about um so he broke the four minute mile everyone the the doctors said it couldn't be done a human being could not run a mile in under four minutes yeah. and then as soon as he did it a load of people followed him and broke that record and roger bannister was the one that believed it was possible so i think the yeah. Uh, go on, go on, carry on. Yeah, so belief has a huge part to play. So if, if you want everyone to be safe and healthy, what you believe is really important. Do you believe that it is possible to keep everyone healthy and safe? Do you believe that there's going to be a certain number of accidents? Because whatever you believe, your actions will follow that. I think the does that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. It does make sense. And I think when it's something quite um well this this is just my opinion but when it's something quite linear like i'm going to go so fast going to break i'm going to do the four minute mile okay cool um i think there's no there's no there's no room for interpretation in that it is a form for, for the four minute mile i think that's a really good example right and I think we could we could set a belief in within a company to let's say something real simple like we're we're a safe company, right? But there is so much room for perception in that, isn't there? How do I perceive safe? How I perceive safe is completely different to how Karen perceives safe, you know. And then and then physically, safety is completely different to the guy installing, I don't know, uh, cladding. You know, it's five stories up uh, a block of flats or versus versus the person in in the in the office um and 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 for me i wonder whether that's where we kind of fall like yeah 100 i agree with what you're saying we need to believe that we can do something to actually give it the effort to do it i agree 100 i struggle to work out what that belief is so when we when we kind of well, not what that belief is, but is there one belief for safety for an entire company? Because safety is completely different for the engineer as it is for the, the office. And ultimately, whilst safety is applicable to the office, ultimately, it might be significantly less risky um, for them in the office as it is for somebody working in an explosive atmosphere, for, for example. So that's where mm -hmm. things like safety verse, first fall down, in my opinion, is that frankly if you're the accountant and you're working in an office all day dealing with millions and millions of pounds worth of deals i don't want you to be putting safety first i want you to be putting financial risk first trust me because i don't want us to go bust um but if you're the engineer working on safety critical device for an explosive atmosphere i want you to be putting safety first because that people die if that fails um it, it is kind of yeah, so yeah. I agree with what you're saying, 100%. Would I struggle to find one single belief for a company that's that's solely related to safety? Yeah, I would. Maybe not one single one. You could change that for different people. I'm thinking of your example of the accountant. So they may believe that what they do has no impact on safety whatsoever, but what if they sign off a bit of equipment that, um, goes for budget rather than quality, and then it has it's supplied to people on the front line. I agree. So, yeah. so an interesting belief for them might be um, what I do has an impact on safety. 
So yeah. you probably have to challenge, you may have to do some belief busting, which is one of my favorite phrases. Um, because a lot of the stuff that I've, when I've been delivering workshops to people on the front line, a lot of the complaints I hear is about people and equipment being supplied that, you know, forces them to cut corners. Yeah. So it puts them in a bit of a predicament when things aren't don't arrive quite as they're supposed to. People not competent or um, not properly trained or equipment that's that's faulty. Yeah. So there is um, for me, I see there there are so many beliefs that I would want to bust, to be honest. And I think one of them is about safety sort of starts and finishes with the people that are doing the work. And actually, I see it more as a a value chain so it starts with the decisions that are being made mm. um, by people that are probably a bit further removed and they're also the people that are the role models the people where i've got the highest visibility in the company so i'd probably bust that belief that you know that there are people in the company that don't have an influence on health and safety mm -hmm. also that belief it will never happen to me mm. You'll probably hear that with people doing the job for about 30 years. I've never had an accident yet, so um, it will never happen to me. Mm. And then you can teach them cognitive dissonance, which is a theory that shows that when there's a conflict inside between what you know, what you believe and what you do, you'll, you'll effectively lie to yourself. You change what you know so that that conflict disappears. So you might justify behaving unsafely or cutting a corner by saying well it's okay I've been doing this for 30 years or I'm taking extra special care because it's a risky job mm. so there are loads of beliefs there's there's so I've said there's I don't have an impact on safety um it will never happen to me um uh the, the one around sort of powerlessness I can't there's nothing I can do that can make a difference yeah. You know, challenging people's beliefs is a really good conversation and asking people what would we need to believe to make a difference. Mm. You know, there's that Henry Ford quote, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. It's one of my favourite quotes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if people say to me, we can't do this. You're right. You know, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll so say, well, it doesn't matter whether we can... Uh, we can or can't what we believe matters because that's what's going to affect what we do yeah and i think it's an important thing you 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 um you touched on when right at the beginning of what you were saying there around understanding your connections your dis the decisions you make the connections and impacts the ripples that has throughout the organization um and i, and I think that's something that we are not very good at um I think we've got a lot better at understanding the the behaviours on the shop floor are ultimately impacted by many many things. Like to your to your point, you know, cognitive dissonance will be obviously one one really good example of something that that might contribute to somebody cutting corners or or not using something in a manner in which it was intended to. But also there's a reason why they're in that situation. They've got a piece of equipment that's not right, or they've got PPE that's not right, or they've got all the right gear, but not enough time to use it or whatever. So there's decisions that were made therefore higher up the line that are influencing those behaviors. So I think we've, we're getting better at that is realizing the decisions we make through the line affect the shop floor. Um, operationally but i'm not really sure we're very good at to to what you said earlier on in spreading that out throughout the organization is how do the decisions made in accounting and finance impact the shop floor and and then vice versa i think what we're even worse at is having empathy for those people in finance. So you've got the people on the shop floor that will go, oh, for God's sake, finance is just cutting, cutting, cutting. I don't give a shit. We're all just, we're all just numbers to them. They don't care about us. But we're not very good at having empathy for them going, they're under so much pressure from the CFO and the CEO and stakeholder uh, shareholders, et cetera, whatever, to, to make sure we come in budget. And 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 that is their primary focus. And, you know, they're experiencing stress ultimately to get that job done. 
So they're making a decision in, with blinkers on, and it's really it's really challenging for them to take a step back and look about you know miles down this value chain. The, the decision I make right here, which is just numbers on the screen, has impact later on down the line. It's really difficult for them to do that. Whilst that needs to happen, and we need to do a better job to make that happen, what we're also really bad at is having empathy for their for their position as well, I find. Like, particularly for leaders as well. Like, leaders need to be better at understanding the risks of their decision. 100%. I've been banging that drum for a long time. But then also, safety professionals and the workforce need to have empathy for the challenge of leadership which we're really bad at as well yeah and i think sometimes what happens you know when you get really passionate about something you have a tendency to sort of talk about it a lot and, and, and assume that other people are going to be as passionate as you um but actually everybody's got their own challenges their own thing going on and uh, you know you're absolutely right that it all starts with empathy um because we've got our challenges as a profession, health and safety, there's no doubt about it. And COVID has given us another big challenge as well as a big opportunity, I think. Um, but other people have got their challenges as well and they're trying to deal with COVID as well as the challenges of their day job. So I just think, for me, this whole buzz section of this three-step framework is about opening up the conversations and. I'm going to say something that sounds a bit cheesy now about reaching into people's hearts and understand what is going on for them. And um, really, I think when you do that, when you connect with people and understand what their challenges are, I think that's when they get what health and safety is all about. Because I know we've made it really relevant. What, what you kind of said there, reaching into the heart, making it, how does it impact me? You know, how is it relatable yeah. to me? Which makes it really powerful. Yeah, I think so. So I guess I'm not... Um, it might feel like I'm stating the obvious a little bit, but it's something I don't see in organisations. I see a lot of people with different agendas. I see a lot of them and us. I see a lot of silos. Um, and I think that just opening up the conversations between different groups of people and opening up the conversations on the basis of health and safety, it's a conversation opener without a doubt, because if you can talk about you know, systems and procedures are not a conversation opener unless that's what you really love and you're passionate about it. I think talking about safety on a human level, about caring for people is a conversation opener. So it's taking it back to um, why is this relevant to me? How can I make a difference? Because most people genuinely, when they realise how they can just change some small things and make a difference will absolutely buy in. And just this feeling that somebody else has listened to them as well. Mm. Interestingly, you said there about, um, you said, you know, ultimately it's, it's kind of about just caring for people, you know, and that that's kind of what safety is about. Uh, for me, that's a better belief. I think that's a, that's probably a better belief than trying to find, I'm just thinking off the top of my head right now. Like if I was to say, well, let's think of a belief for safety. I think we all might really struggle, like be like safety first or first priority or, or vision zero or what, whatever it was, you know, even if it was like something like next gear from Lango Rourke or people are not the problem uh, in safety differently. But ultimately if you had something that was maybe not safety specific, but more, we care about people. So you can genuinely start to ask yourself a question then, this decision I'm making, do I care about people in this decision? For me, that's that's getting closer to something that does work throughout the whole organisation. Yes, interesting you say that. And it's the thing that allows us to bring health, safety, well-being all under one umbrella as well, which is another challenge for the profession at the moment because... You know, we often talk about just safety and then occupational health sometimes becomes a second because the risk isn't so obvious. It's sometimes a bit delayed. Mm. Um, and then you've got well-being, which is now, you know, huge on the agendas. So how do you create an umbrella that brings all of that together? And it is really about caring for people. And if you extend that definition really that's about caring enough to listen and understand that 
okay with saying health and safety first, but people have got other challenges as well. And how we how can we make it easier for them to put health and safety first? Yeah, because I think when we when we really start to to break this down, like safety is just one aspect of of what you do in your role. It's an emerge sound. I sound a well, I am I am just stealing this from from the academics, really. I, I kind of stealing this from 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 David Provan's paper, you know. But but it is, and, and many before that as well. But um, it, it's just kind of an emergent property of work, you know. It emerge as we go. So, you know, whether we're an accountant, we, we normally normally we might come into work at a reasonable level of, of mental capacity and, and stress. So we're not really stressed. We're at kind of the middle of our kind of mental health continuum, I suppose. And then work stress as you know, just as one risk type becomes high or low or high or low, whatever, as we go through no different from asbestos asbestos is not a risk until we're working with asbestos and it peaks so the unsafety nature of work is this thing that emerges as we go um no different from physical kind of risks as well i I do think you're you're kind of hitting on a real a real broad topic which we could probably do a quarterly co-host on in its own rights as as to like you know does well-being sit with us or not um, I think if, if I was to, if I was to maybe try and give an opinion on that straight away, I'd probably say it maybe sits under the umbrella of our p- profession as like, it's a risk that falls into the health and or safety of, of a person. 100% I agree with that. 100%. Is the profession competent to m- manage that risk? In my opinion, no. Yet at the moment, no, I don't think it is. Um, from a technical point of view, especially maybe from a more systems point of view, we can start to identify things that contribute to that and deal with it like any other risk, 100%. Um, but when we get into the kind of real specialisms of well-being and stress, I don't, I don't think we are competent. But I, I'm, I'm cautious to go down that rabbit hole because we might end up getting really lost in, in an Alice in Wonderland level uh, of lost if we go down there. But I'll, I'll let you... If you if there is anything you want to say off the back of that, you 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 can go if you want to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, no, I'm not going down any rabbit. Yeah, yeah I'm not going down any rabbit holes tonight because I'm not sure I'd be able to find my way out. But yeah, um, especially that one. <laughs> yeah, the reason no. I mention it is because I know that I know Dom Cooper listens to it. Uh, we've had Dom Cooper on a lot, and I know he's a very prominent voice in the in the profession and. Um, and I know that's something he's really vocal about is that it shouldn't sit with us at all. He thinks it doesn't sit with us at all. But I'm not really sure I agree with that far, but I think he's got a lot of very valid points there. A lot of very valid points that we, we kind of already struggle with bog standard health and safety, let alone well-being and stress as well, which I think he's got some good points. But yeah, like I say, it's a rabbit hole. It's a rabbit hole. So let, let's bring it back. I'm but- not going to give my opinion then. I'm not going down the rabbit <laughs> hole, but... I think I'll just say that if you want to make a difference to anything, a dedicated approach and a dedicated team is the way to, and a whole integrated approach in the company is the way to get something started and make it sustainable. And that's all I'm going to say. So I think I went down the rabbit hole, but there was some little sort of yeah, wrongs there and I was able to get out. There's some good, there's some good stuff there. So, so where we are so far is we've kind of identified our stakeholders within the within the process and we've we've started to we started to try and develop either individual beliefs within those groups of, of stakeholders or or an organizational belief, but but ultimately something that we can that we can grasp onto and then ideally believe that we can achieve that, um, or or at least believing that aspiration. Um which I, I I like. I think. Um, oh, hang on! I'm just getting told my internet's unstable. Let me uh, shut down some of my internet before it starts. To, obviously, my daughter's just logged on to Coca Melon or something like that uh, <laughs> to, to keep her sane. We were watching that last night. Oh, we watch it all the time now. The only way we get they it- sing little songs on there, don't they? Yeah, so it's either that or, ba- or a little baby bum. That's our, that's the other. Uh, favorite on netflix at the moment 
Um, it's the only way we get any work done around here, if I'm honest. Otherwise, she's just with us all the time. Bless her. Um, but to be fair, Coco Ellen teaches her more than what we could probably teach her, if I'm honest. Um, but yeah, where was I going? Yeah, so we, we've identified our stakeholders, which I think is really vital. I think that's something we're not very good at as well. It, it's just kind of identifying how do you have a stake in this and and also how big is your stake in this um therefore how much time do we invest in in you then i building a belief within those individual groups of stakeholders be it an individual belief connected to a wider belief for the whole company or or whatever where 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 are we where are you going next with with this then this creating a buzz so we've got that we've got that belief now or we've got that set of beliefs plural maybe we know our stakeholders. Where, where are you going next with that, Karen? Yeah, so we're kind of still in the design stage. And I come at this from, even though we've moved into Buzz, we are effectively doing sort of engagement work here. And I come at this from my communications background, which is where I started before I went into health and safety. And it's really taking an integrated approach um, to a mass communication, which is what this is, and who are our stakeholders, what are we offering them, what do they need, where's the win-win, what's our message, who are our messengers as well. So typically you would have health and safety leading something like this to get it off the ground. What you would hope then is it would start to be led by people outside of health and safety, and that is really powerful because it says, wow, if they can get involved, then it must be for everybody. So it, there's there's some time needs to be spent to, I guess, design the, because you really need to create a conversation and an experience for people. People tend to change behavior when you give them an experience. If you just sort of communicate something and there's no discussion around it and, and you're not, you don't make people think then they're not going to do anything differently. So you really need to challenge their thinking. So you need to create that opportunity by designing some kind of course. I hesitate to call it training, but for ease of understanding what it is, we could call it training, but it's really an interactive workshop where you give people an experience where you give them a compelling reason to get involved. You show them why health and safety is relevant to them and how they can personally make an impact. So you're challenging them to think differently. So to do that, you need to have your messengers as well. So you need to get all your health and safety people together and really look at whether they're ready to do that. Because I say that because we typically in health and safety are in a bit of a groove where we're talking about compliance, which is what needs to be done. However, if we want to create change, we need to change the language slightly to what is possible to get people excited in exploring possibilities and opportunities. So I call it sort of flipping from the language of necessity to possibility and looking at, well, yeah, there's times to talk about what we need to do and what we have to do. But if you use that language all the time, people can feel a bit like you're sort of um, a bit evangelical and sort of pushing it down their throat you know even if yeah. you're really excited we've got to do this we need to do this um you know if I was saying that all the time to you James you'd be like back off a bit Karen I'm, I hear what you're saying I hear you're excited but just back off <laughs> <laughs> whereas if I say okay I've got this great idea what about if we were to try this then I'm sort of enlisting you as a as a co-partner with me on this journey. Yeah. So it's getting people together in, in health and safety and say, look, if this is, you know, this is what we want to do, are we bought into this? How do we need to sort of change our approach slightly for this change? And um, if we don't change our approach, of course, we send people to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> ironic, ironic that I just yawned, but yeah, well played there. Karen. There was me. I thought I was being inspirational and transformational, but you know, I realise it is a bit late and possibly um, you have a child that doesn't sleep as well. So well, she didn't sleep at all last night. Actually, she's normally really good. But last night she decided she was having a bad night. Um, so yeah, don't, us make, too. don't take the yawn personal. Please don't. Um, there's a couple of things you mentioned in there. I think building those kind of those it's building ownership isn't it it's it's that, it's that ikea effect that i talk about a lot recently you know i, I spoke about I, I, I've, I've spoke about 
I builded ownership or a sense of ownership for a long time and then realized that there was a better way to describe that in, in being the Ikea effect, which I just love. Um, you know, psychological study that says that we love our Ikea furniture more because we built it ourselves. So we feel like we own it so much more. So how do we build that Ikea effect within, within our systems and our risk management, um, which always makes me think of, building those internal leaders and it makes me think of that amazing video on a very popular youtube channel i can't remember leaders something or leadership something if i find it i shall put it in the description where there's just a guy at like an outdoor festival dancing on his completely on his own and there's a there's like a leadership academic or whatever narrating it like this guy is the leader um he's very important to the process but then some other random dude just gets up and goes and dance with him and and the guy narrating it is like however this person here is probably the most important person because he's just told everybody else in the it, watching that it's okay to get involved so he's like that first person at the buffet in a way that said, okay, it's not the person that said the buffet's open. That's the guy that all of my analogies are buffet related. I don't, I've just realized this. Uh, but anyway, the first person to the buffet, he's got up and he's told everyone, yeah, I'm, I'm, you're okay now you're safe because I've done it. And then the next person comes in and it snowballs. And next thing you know, this one guy has started this mass dance in this field and it's just freaking awesome like i love it but the guy narrating it is, is just beautiful um and i absolutely love it i will find it and i'll put it in the description so yeah two things yeah, um, find as you were talking yeah and i love that analogy i'm always talking about being first on the dance floor and you create you know the opportunity for somebody else and you're right so when that first guy is there dancing it's all about him so he he owns it really that that situation and then by the time everyone else has joined in they own it and the person that first started it disappears into the background and I think when you're trying to create change in an organization that's how you know you've been successful when yeah. people almost forget who you are um, because other people have got if you get people really excited they just take it and, and run with it and, and they talk about it as if it's theirs and I had this epiphany moment in the first large organization I worked with when I was talking to somebody that was running our health and safety program in, in another country. And she said, you know, this is, you know, head office, you know, you guys think this is your program. Actually, this is our program. And I, I realized it's the people that, you know, far beyond you that bring it to life. You may well set the parameters there and say, this is the vision and this is what it's going to look like. But you're not the people that are living it every day and um, you know bring it to life on the front line. They are, and it's mm. um, this. It was quite an amazing switch in my mind because I had, I guess. So this formula is based on ten years of me, sort of um, trying to create a movement in two different companies, and I had a lot of epiphanies along the way. You know, I wouldn't say I did everything right, but I, I learned a lot, and adapted and did things differently. So the approach sort of that I'm talking about, the build, buzz, bait really takes into account the epiphanies I had along the way. Mm. And there were quite a few. <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome. There was some of my epiphanies. <laughs> <There's> something <laughs> you mentioned as well in, in, in what you were saying a minute ago around, um, around the language that we use. And uh, I'd be interested to kind of touch on how important language is in this in this process and when when the, the example you gave not just in this in the, it was a bit before when you were speaking um and and it reminded me of when i was working with a customer and um and i was trying to find an example to 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 kind of demonstrate the importance of language and how things can be interpreted in ways that 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 you're not communicating the message that you actually want to communicate and it and we ended up coming across a real simple example of um just an email about trying to get people to come on some uh some training for dse right really simple and the email was hi everyone this is from the the leader of the organization hi everyone this is a really important mandatory training um that they're carrying out 
um, we need to do this in order to be compliant. Can you make sure that you all attend the training on the days given below? And I, and I was like, right, let's, let's break that down a little bit. So first you've said, this is really important mandatory training. So you've just told me that, that I have to do it. So you must do it, James. Right. I don't like being told what I've, what I've got to do ever since I left school. I left school and I went, no one else is ever going to tell me what to do. Right. And and then realized I got a job and was like, oh crap, people are going to tell me what to do every day for a while. (laughs) So you've got my backup straight away. You know, this is mandatory training. All right. To your point, you know, all right, Karen, you know, because you keep going, we must do this really important. We must do this really important. It may be mandatory, but we don't need to say that. And then the next point point you said was, we do this because we need to be compliant. You basically told me you don't care about me. You basically just told me we're only doing this because the law tells me we're doing it, um, that we have to do it. Sorry. So what you're telling me is that if the law didn't exist, you'd still send children under machines and up chimneys, would you? No, you wouldn't because you do care. So let's just change this message. So say, hi, everyone. It's really important to me that you're comfortable at work. Um, You know, for us to do what we need to do, I want you to be comfortable and happy at work. It's important to me that you are those. So we're doing some DSE training. Um, You know, please, can you find some time to go along to it? If you're struggling to find time, let me know. You know, for me, that's a completely different message. That just says, I care about you. Someone might interpret that to go, what a load of shit. It's we're only doing this because of the law. And that ultimately depends on your culture and stuff. But just taking the two messages as a, as a, as a comparison without considering any of the other cultural stuff that might impact it, for me, it's a really simple example of how your message can communicate something which you ultimately don't desire. So, like, I don't know how, if you've got any experiences or any kind of wisdom on, on, on the power of, of, uh, of, tweaking or de- maybe even designing and engineering the language that you use um in these yeah and it's think of thinking about what you're really saying when you're saying something so let's throw a bit of simon sinek in there start with why um so he uses the example of <laughs> apple versus microsoft and talks about people don't buy what you do they t- they buy why you do it mm-hmm. and when you're talking from your perspective of your why you're talking about what you believe so if people believe the same thing as you they're gonna buy into to you so if you started that email with something like we believe that being safe and well at work is a human right and that's quite strong that's what i believe um or we believe everyone has the right to go home safe and well that's what we believe people be reading that and thinking yeah i believe that as well so you've sort of got the interest there you're starting from the point of belief and then you talked about in your second option talking about it's really important to us that you're safe and well so when you're talking about what's important to you that's you talking about your values if i wanted to ask you about your values james i would say look what's really important to you in a job Mm. and what else and what else and you would start to think about your values you might talk about well not being told what to do (laughs) <laughs> so, so i'd say okay james so what 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 does that look like then what what do you want in the I like job to call it autonomy because it sounds better than i don't like being told what to do yeah so <laughs> I, I like autonomy is important to me okay so that's one of your values and you might say oh creative freedom so i'm just guessing you know with the kind of work you do but you know when like you talk about a metric test or something <laughs> <laughs> when you when you as soon as you say this is really important to me you know, and your body language ties up with it as well. If I say this is really important to me, you're going to see me sort of my hands probably going to go to my heart. Say, look, James, this is really important to me. You know, it's really important to me that we don't go down any rabbit holes, that we stay <laughs> above ground um, sincerely. I really like rabbit holes. Yeah, I love little bunnies. <laughs> yeah. You're so, so right, though, isn't it? It's that, that creating that. It comes back to what you were saying earlier. If if, if we have that belief throughout the organisation, that sense of why, that purpose and those values that are lived throughout an organisation and everyone can buy into, you're you're probably more than 50% there on on most of your battles. You know, if you've got a... if you've got a belief, whatever it is, you've got a purpose in your organisation and you can tie what you're doing to that purpose... 
you're on for a winner already, aren't you? Um, additionally, if everyone buys into it, um, and there's a power to it. I mean, there's there's more than enough research out there. I know that uh, the EY Global, I think they did some some great work with uh, Harvard, the Harvard Business Review on on purpose. And this is more than just just some hippy dippy stuff. Um, then oh, let's have a why, you know, and the, the five golden circles or whatever it is. This is so much more than that. This is genuine, tangible, powerful stuff. Um, and we don't we don't utilize that in our risk management at all. Yeah, and there's, so there's a lot of different people talking about the same kind of stuff, but talking about it in the same way. You know, you've got transformational leadership, for example, um, and that's got sort of three key elements. Um, you know, that's about setting a big vision. It's about challenging people and treating them as individuals and recognizing their strengths. So create a big vision that everyone can buy into and look at how you can challenge challenge people's thinking to be better because people like to learn and grow and how do you let people get involved in their own unique way and that's really simply transformational leadership so you've got things like start with why transformational leadership the use of language they all sort of come together in the same way and I think that actually getting people aligned around health and safety and energized by it is easier than we think it's just sometimes we trip ourselves up with the language and once it's pointed out to us we can just change our tack it doesn't mean we have to use the same language all the time it just means we've got that flexibility you know we can switch it up we can think you know there's times when we just absolutely need to tell people what to do and then there's times when you might want to create a bit more space for a conversation or as you say, talk about your beliefs and values so that people mm. can see where you're coming from and then they choose whether to buy it or not. And you just have to trust they're going to make the right choice, which is another interesting use of language because I quite often like to say to people, what's the right thing to do here? You'll know the right thing to do. What's the right thing to do? And then you give giving a person a choice to decide what they think is the right thing to do and to tap into their inner integrity rather than you telling them, look, this is what you've got to do. So you're taking a bit of a gamble. You have to yeah. trust. What if I suppose, yeah, that comes down to if, if I was, if I don't, as an organization, if I don't have a clear set, a clear felt uh, purpose, values, principles within my organization, what defines us as an organization, what I deem as right as the director of the organization might be completely different to Karen, the engineer um, perception of what the right decision is. So whilst I completely agree, you know, you, you tell me what the right decision to do. That's why I employed you. Um, if you don't tell me what I want to hear, ultimately that's my fault. I think, cause I haven't defined the right, you we're clearly not on the same page. Right, that might be, so here, it might be a good thing. You know, I might turn around and go, actually, I've just learned from you, Karen. You are so right. But ultimately, it means we're not aligned. So here's how you get on the same page. What people, human beings, tend to disagree about is, is the detail, the how of doing something. If you hear people arguing about something, they're often not disagreeing on the why, you know, the, the bigger picture, the why they're there. They're disagreeing on the how to do it. Mm. It's like in negotiation, if you start to disagree you sort of you go more bigger picture back to the fundamental things you disagree on like to say okay we've obviously got different um different ideas of how we're going to do this but at the end of the day what we're we all here for we all want to go home safe don't we agreed yes so you've agreed on the bigger picture that the right thing to do is to do whatever we need to do to get home safe it's just that what we're probably arguing about is that the, the how and the detail we're seeing that right now aren't we with covid do we all agree covid is is a problem for us yes we do do we all agree that covid is dangerous for the vulnerable people yes we do how do we deal with this problem whoa no we can't agree on anything to do with that can we you know how do we balance economy and vaccinations and covid and social distancing and and all of this stuff like um we all well, think we're better yeah. than than anyone else so yeah i think that's a really good example of what you've just said 
Yeah, that's a brilliant example. Uh, we, you know, we're arguing up and down the country, across the globe on, you know, the approach, um, you know, are we yeah. vaccinating? Who are we vaccinating? Who gets it first? It's, yeah. um, but, you know, if you were to ask anyone, okay, what's, you know, if you go more bigger picture, you're going to get more people to agree with you. So the idea is to just keep going back to the fundamentals what's the fundamental thing we all agree on here and um just keep going back to that so when you talk about uh, a belief um and we and then we've talked about purpose quite a lot as well so when you kind of see an organization karen do you would you so i i i would i would one of the first things i would look at with with a client with a customer would be you know Right. Does does a company have a clear set of of does a, a clear sense of purpose? Do we does what does a company exist for? What are you trying to achieve? As as a company, forget safety. As a company, what are you trying to achieve? What do you exist for? What do you value? And and then I would I would call it principles. Now some people might call that mission, vision, values, right, or whatever. But ultimately, that's just how I've looked at it. Um, taken from the uh, ethics centered uh, ethical framework guide so purpose vision uh, sorry <laughs> purpose values principles right that's one thing i would look for but that's company wide now when we were talking about beliefs earlier it was very much like what's our safety belief for this program so when you're an organized working with an organization do you do you have like the purpose and then do you have like the safety belief, for example, and then do you work out how to connect the two or is it just like with how does safety contribute to that purpose? Like, what does that look like for you? The reason I ask is, is, is really interestingly, um, I'm not going to give too much away because we haven't put the podcast out yet. We haven't actually recorded it yet, but uh, I know what we're going to talk about. And um, Stuart Hughes, uh, vice president of IOSH um, and uh, and head of safety for Mercedes Formula One, he we were having a little prep call for him coming on the podcast, and um, and he was oh, there was one thing I was asking my interview was everyone at Mercedes has said how do you bring your I think it's ten seconds to the car, so everyone has to bring ten seconds off the car. Like that's your that's everybody's purpose how can you bring 10 seconds to the car, right? So how can you make it quicker? And they asked him that in the interview, completely off the cuff, how are you going to bring 10 seconds to the car? Now, if, when he told me that, I was like, whoa, that's a question. That is a banger of a question. Um, so I'm not going to, I don't even know his answer. Um, so, but I won't say any more. But as you were talking and we were talking and pondering, but that's all I can think of is like, so if my purpose as a company is to do X, I think the safety team and the safety schemes should be able to identify how safety contributes to that. Yeah, and I think it, there's a you you tie into. I'm just thinking about how I would respond actually, and I'm just gonna. Um, for me, it's gonna be human beings that are gonna get that. Doesn't matter how much technology you've got, the human beings are gonna get ten percent off that car. Mm. Um, but anyway. <laughs> Oh, we'll, we'll listen to Stuart's answer and we'll come. Yeah, well, that was an, that is an amazing question. I think um, a great question. I'd be like, whoa, fantastic question. Um, right. So it brings me to your question. So a lot of organisations, I would say, I know I'm generalising here, will not necessarily have a vision as defined as that. I mean, that is a brilliant vision that you just described that everybody can buy into. So if a company already has a really well defined vision you just have to find a way to connect safety into that okay. and to avoid duplication so whatever you produce for safety needs to map across to the existing vision and value so that people don't feel like you're just adding an extra yeah you're, you're sort of shoehorning something in you're more sort of act, act, acting a nice can't speak tonight <laughs> adding a nice little <laughs> my common sense has gone now um adding a little layer onto it rather than shoehorning something in yeah um and if it's a company that doesn't have a clearly defined vision um which has been my experience as well you can actually use health and safety as a way to get one and it will then drive health and safety and other things as well yeah because if we take it back to the common denominator which is about human beings, human performance, caring about people, 
then you can find a link to anything else you want to do really yeah yeah no i love that i love that 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 was kind of where i where i thought you'd go that you know if you if you've got that company that's got that really cl- clearly defined purpose and you know that's uh, wow what what a great place to work and now we've just got to work out how safety contributes to that and you know bring the 10 seconds to the car when Stuart said that to me i was like oh oh that's beautiful that's lovely okay. I've got to tune into that one now. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that. You got be... me excited about that one already. <laughs> It'll be next year. Tune in next year. That will be coming out. Um, but but yeah, um, that was that was really just powerful. I think so powerful. But so I'm glad I'm glad we kind of clarified that. Hey, we've been going for just shy of an hour, Karen. So I want to give you a little a little slot, um, just to kind of give yourself a shout out really um kind of what are you working on at the moment uh, i know we're, we're doing a little bit which i i've um i've not attended the last one or two meetings so i apologize for that so i know you're working on some stuff there and obviously you've got the book so you know what, what's going on in the world of people power and karen hewitt at the moment it's all a bit crazy at the moment i am sort of working on a follow-up to the book and in particular looking at how can I make a difference because it's it's come to my attention really and it's been the book's been amazing for connecting me with people it's come to my attention that not everyone in the world even has access to a book like this or has access to uh, the knowledge within it and this may sound a bit obvious, but when I wrote the book, it didn't occur to me. I just thought I want to get this message out there as far and wide. It didn't occur to me there might be people that because of where they live um, or their situation might not even have access to a book. Yeah. So I'm um, so next year I'm hoping I can. So I'm going to follow up on people power. Hopefully the people that have read the book and I know some people have bought it for their teams. So maybe doing some follow-up sessions with teams to make it really practical and give people a bit of a helping hand with trying to implement some of this. Um, so doing some of that and, and also looking at doing some not-for-profit stuff that's going to make a difference. I think you start out doing something and start, you know, with one plan. You know, they say life is what happens when you're making plans. You know, I had a plan for the book and it's opened my eyes to other things, other people, other possibilities. So awesome. Oh, I'm excited to see that. I'm excited to see that. Um, if um and, and also well well I think that's really I love I love to see companies and consultants and and authors or whatever, you know, acknowledge that there are people out there that that deserve and need this this type of support. Um and and acknowledge that that's not the right place for me to be going in for profit. So well, well done there. And I, and I, I think that is really nice to see. Um, so thank you for that. Um, so I love, I love seeing particularly, you know, people within safety and risk management that, that can help charities or, or, or kind of less fortunate parts of the world and, and realize that, you know, this is just the right thing to do. Uh, right thing to do being a perception uh, based concepts as we've already discussed but um so thank you for that and well done um and uh so if, if people are listening to this karen second episode in and they're like oh my god that was amazing what's coming up in uh in in the third and final one <laughs> <laughs> what we what, hope just uh just give us a quick a quick insight into what we're going to be finishing the quarterly co-host off with okay just enough to get people excited. So we're going to be talking about the really critical bit. How do you make the buzz stick? You've got people excited. How do you make it just become part of the organisation, almost as if it was never even an initiative? It's just something that people do. It becomes part of their everyday life, their processes. It takes on a life of their own. So what do we need to do to make that happen? So that is the, the bake part. How do we make it stick? Awesome. Awesome. And finally, Karen, if people listen to this and they're like, oh my God, I need to get this lady into my organization, how would they do that? Okay, so they can find me. Um, I've got a website, leaderlike.co.uk. So you can email me at karen at leaderlike.co.uk. Or you can find me on LinkedIn, Karen J. Hewitt, because there's a few Karen Hewitts out there. So you need to put the J in to find me. 
Awesome. And we'll put all of that on, on your website and your LinkedIn and stuff in the, um, in the description below to make it easier for people as well. So um, thank you very much, Karen. I'll, I particularly thank you very much for coming on a Christmas Eve Eve. Um, so have Ooh, a lovely Christmas. Have a lovely Christmas and a lovely new year. I don't, we don't have number three booked in yet, do we? So I'm assuming unless you're a real boring person like me, you're going to, um, you're not going to be working through the Christmas break or are you boring like me and you're going to be working through the Christmas break? I may, but I'm not going to call it work. <laughs> awesome. I'll call it my passion. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So have a lovely Christmas and a lovely new year. And I think people will be listening to this after Christmas and New Year. So I hope they've had a lovely Christmas and New Year as well. Uh, thank you very much, Karen. It's been a good chat. Thank you, James. Okay, peeps, I hope you enjoyed that chat number two um, with Karen Hewitt, um, which means we're coming up to the last one, unfortunately. But this is Q1. Uh, so we've got, we've still got other other cues to come. Don't you worry, other cues to come. Don't forget to check out Paradigm Human Performance. Um, if you're looking for human organizational performance support and experts, they are the place to be. Don't forget to check out Learning Organization webinar as well. Don't forget to check out Project Meletium for some professional development. Don't forget to check out rebrandingsafety.com for all of the stuff we can do to help you out, including consultancy as well. And thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. I'll catch you next week. Safe. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily reflect the position of the companies. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are examples only based on limited and dated open source information and should not be utilised in real life as the only solution available. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the companies. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic or otherwise, without prior written permission from James McPherson.